Welcome to the Bible Questions podcast brought to you by BibleQuestions.org and the Holly Street Church of Christ. This podcast is dedicated to answering your Bible questions from the Bible. My name is Brian, and along with Jeff, we are the hosts of this program. Hello, and welcome to the Bible Questions podcast program. My name is Jeff, and with me this morning is Brian. Brian, how you doing? Hey, doing really well, Jeff. Excited for today's episode. Yeah, today we're going to talk about a self-assessment uh, aid uh, that we've pulled together and made available on our website for people to kind of go through and kind of give themselves a sense of where they are uh, in their spiritual life and their spiritual journey with respect to various uh, categories uh, from the scriptures. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Jeff. We just uh, had a couple of podcasts uh, from our evangelist, Alan Hitchin. So the last podcast that we had last year was Alan talking about looking back over the previous year and kind of, uh, you know, how we've done from a spiritual perspective. And then his the first podcast that we had for this year was Alan encouraging us all to look forward, you know, setting some spiritual goals for the upcoming year. So uh, you know, we thought, hey, it would be a good idea, right, to sort of pair though that with what Alan recommended and maybe kind of formally assess ourselves, right, in, in these different categories. So I'm wondering if you could just talk about the spiritual self-assessment, which is literally a physical document, right, that people can download uh, that you put together. And maybe you can just talk a little bit about, like, what was your thoughts around putting this together? I think it's excellent and would just like to hear you tell our listeners more about it, if you could. Well, and I, you know, I certainly appreciate the opportunity to sort of highlight it and bring it to the attention of our listeners. Uh, as you indicated, yes, it comes from a, a sermon I preached way back in 2014 on spiritual self-assessment, and I created this kind of an aid, if you will. Now, right off the get-go, I need to say, you know, the various items in this aid, we'll see, are meant to be a sampling right uh some of areas some areas that you know people may may struggle with or may omit etc but it's by no means comprehensive by no means is it used to say hey if i score real well in all these categories i'm saved and my tickets punched and i'm going to heaven no it is not the bible it is not the new testament it is not all of the categories it is indeed a sampling but hopefully a fairly representative sampling um, and one that tends to focus on what we might call sins of omission, things we may not think of, uh, and uh, growth areas uh, for Christians. So it has a little bit of that uh, bias, so to speak. Yeah, I appreciate that, Jeff. And so this will be a two-part episode where we look at this self-assessment aid and kind of go through each category in it. And Jeff can give some, you know, expound upon some of the different areas. I will as well as far as you know, once again, where we should be assessing ourselves to kind of get a sense of, you know, how are we doing, right? So two-part episode. And so Jeff, to start out with, I guess you'd like to talk some about what the Bible says about this concept of examining ourselves. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, from a physical perspective, I think most people are used to the concept of, you know, self-assessment, you know, particularly when it comes to our health I mean, we'll do, you know, cholesterol screenings or blood pressure checks or mammographies or, you know, various, you know, health exams. Uh, and even more fundamental than that, I think everyone's used to simply, you know, looking in the mirror, you know, on your way out of the house, you know, after you got dressed, you know, checking your hair and clothing and, you know, overall appearance. 
Um, but Brian, what might surprise some people is that as we look into the Bible, it urges uh, self-examination. You know, not necessarily in a physical way, but more so in a uh, spiritual way. So Brian, to kind of get us rolling this morning, could you go ahead and read for our listeners uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5? You bet. And you're right. This is uh, one of those foundational passages that makes it clear we definitely should self-examine, right? So it says here, examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. Right. Um, and, you know, it's not an isolated verse because there are several others that we'll kind of you know do a sampling of. Uh, that show this principle. Uh, for instance, Galatians chapter 6, verse 3 says, For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Uh, Brian, how about Romans uh, chapter 2, eh, maybe verses uh, 1 through 3? Here it says, Therefore you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Right. And of course, you know, we kind of recognize that as, as the basic problem of uh, hypocrisy. Like I'm, you know, going around condemning others, you know, pointing my finger at others. Um, and at the same time, I've got, you know, three fingers pointing back in my own direction. <laughs> I can, you know, easily see the sin in others, but pretty blind to the same sin or other sins, you know, in my own life. Yeah, you know, in the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus talks about those who would condemn others for very minor things, he talks about the beam, you know, in our own eye versus, you know, somebody who is, you know, they have some issues and they might have some sins, but we look at them in a condemning way, ignoring this glaring sin or weakness in our own life. Oh, good point. Matthew chapter seven. Yep. Certainly, we see this applied, you know, focused within the context of the Lord's Supper, First uh, Corinthians eleven, verses twenty-one through thirty-one. That basically, uh, let me quote it here. Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine, and there's our word. Let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many, interesting, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep, in a figurative sense, a spiritual death. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. And of course, we, you know, within that context, again, specifically referring to the Lord's Supper, but there's a general principle there. That we need to be, you know, looking at ourselves, examining ourselves, judging ourselves, you know, trying to detect problems, detect areas of improvement. Uh, and finally, in Second uh, Timothy chapter two, verse fifteen is a good verse, which says, "Be diligent," or if you're reading from the King James, "Study to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing or handling right the word of 
truth. So, and you know, we see a number of different verses that encourage this sense of self-examination, self-assessment. Now, Brian, I think what might trip up uh, a good number of people, including potentially some of our listeners, you know, they may say, well, hold on, Jeff, you know, this self-examination, self-assessment, this concern about ourselves, why are we worrying about that? You know, they, they might say, well, you know, we, we believe in quote unquote faith only, you know, we believe in once saved, always saved. You know, once we profess a belief in Jesus, he saved us and, and, and yeah, we can, you know, improve and get better, but you know, we certainly can't lose our salvation. Um, and hence perhaps being lulled into a false sense of uh, confidence or, or, or no need to, you know, check ourselves, so to speak. Um, and yet we have an, a number of different scriptures that we'll just kind of briefly examine for our listeners that that's not the case. Uh, Hebrews chapter four, verse 11, you know, in the context of the Israelites, you know, in the wilderness who were disobedient uh, and punished by God as a result, you know, the Hebrew writer writes, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, the promised rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Brian, how about if you read, and then if you want to just very briefly comment on uh, 2 Peter 1, 5 through 11. Yes, uh, this particular section of scripture really focuses on spiritual growth and, and why it's so important. And so we see here, beginning in verse 5 of 2 Peter 1, it says, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be you will uh, be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. He goes on in verse 10 to say, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Peter here is emphasizing to brethren the importance of adding to their faith. In other words, growing spiritually. Yep, good point. All right, and, and the last verse, which is... Uh, or. Uh, passage that uh, we'll kind of read to set the stage for today. James chapter 1, verses 21 through 27. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, He's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If any among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. So Brian, you know, yet another passage that says, you know, there's certain things we need to, you know, lay aside, set aside, you know, leave behind us. 
and other things that we need to, you know, stretch forward and do. And I really, like we said at the very beginning, I really like the uh, analogy James makes to, you know, us looking in a mirror and seeing ourselves and then, you know, going away and just, you know, forgetting what we looked like. You know, certainly we wouldn't do that in the physical realm. Like if we were getting ready in the morning and stepped up in the mirror to check and our hair was all a mess or a big spot on our clothes or some leftover, uh, you know, jelly on our, our mouth from toast that morning or whatever, you know, we, we would look at it and go, oh, okay, I need to fix that. And yet when it comes to spiritual things, you know, th- this is something similar. You know, it should be true. Brian, any other intro comments before we kind of uh, start digging into the main theme today of the self-assessment aid? Yeah, just one brief thought. And that is, you know, when it talks about deceiving ourselves, as you touched on, it's it's so easy for us to think, well, I'm great. I'm doing the best I can. What we're really talking about is, well, let's measure that according to God's word. Let's look into that mirror, if you will, and then see where we stand. And no doubt, I think a lot of our listeners, those who are interested in spiritual matters, are definitely interested in growing and, more importantly, looking to see if God feels like they're growing accordingly based on the truth. And so that's really what we want to accomplish today. Exactly. Now, back, oh, right now, it's been like, you know, six years in the past, I preached a a lesson while Alan was away uh, on the subject of spiritual self-assessment. And as part of that sermon, um, I created a, what I was calling a self-assessment aid that we wound up, you know, posting to our website that we'll give people a reference to as an aid. It was kind of like a sampling, if you will, of questions that, you know, Christians could ask themselves uh, across a number of different uh, areas and try to get kind of a sense of, well, here are some areas I'm, I'm, I'm seem to be doing fairly well on and some areas that are kind of lagging and, oh, some areas I'm not doing at all, oh, et cetera. Uh, and this self-assessment aid, you know, tended to focus on things we may tend to overlook, like sins of omission or areas that are more of a ongoing growth kind of item. And again, the, the main point was to you know, help a person assess you know, their spiritual health, like we talked about earlier, assessing our physical health, to identify areas of improvement. So I guess what I would suggest our listeners go to um, either, I mean, they can pause the recording here and go to our website, or they can go to our website afterwards, either way. But if you go to biblequestions.org, and if you go to the lessons menu item, you'll find one of the entries under lessons is called Christian Living. And you'll find one of the entries under Christian Living is something called self-assessment. On that particular page, you will find two main items. You know, one is the uh, an MP3 or a recording, audio recording uh, of the sermon, which kind of give you a a sense of you know the purpose of the aid and and various scriptures and such. And then the actual aid itself is a, a PDF file. You know, that people can download, read, etc. And I guess what we would recommend our listeners do is, you know, if you want to listen to the sermon, that's fine. But get the aid, download it to your computer, and then find some quiet time. Some kind of set aside some quiet private time for certainly some prayer and certainly some self-reflection. Um, and, and knowing admittedly that this kind of a process of looking in the, if you will, the mirror of God's word and looking at all of our sins, defects, shortcomings, warts, you know, whatever term you want to use, 
and that being confronted with these, with these kind of negative results, you know, honestly, it can be kind of painful um, and yet necessary. I mean, certainly even in a physical sense, you know, we go through some kind of a physical exam and the doctor says, hey, you know, you got a problem with your cholesterol or you've got certain weakness in your know, muscle groups, you know, in your back or your legs or your neck, whatever, and you got to go through therapy and that can be a kind of a painful process, et cetera, yet necessary for improvement and growth. And the other thing I might mention, the way the assessment aid is kind of structured, again, I got, there's a number of different categories and within each category, which we'll kind of highlight today, um, are a number of questions. And each of those questions is arranged such that it solicits an answer. And it's one of those kinds of answers like, well, it's something I never do, I sometimes do, or I always do, for example. And uh, in general, the scale, if you will, uh, you know, the kinds of things that you know we never do, uh, those would be like a danger because all the questions are kind of worded that way. In some cases, we may be kind of poor at doing what the question says, or we may be doing a pretty good job, or, or just I mean, we may be doing you know, outstanding. Again, you know, danger, poor, better, or best. It's kind of like a spectrum uh, of an answer. Uh, the other thing I might mention is kind of a general purpose aid. So there may be some questions in there that may not be uh, applicable. I mean, for instance, Brian, when we actually get into it, there's some, I think, some focus questions on people who are in a marriage relationship or that have children. Obviously, if you're single, you know, those would, would not apply. You just kind of skip over them. So, Brian, before we actually launch into the first category, did you have any other uh, thoughts? Yes, I would just encourage, as you kind of touched on, Jeff, when you go through this, you know, look at what spiritual qualities that you have in your life. And I remember the first time that I looked at this, there were a few things, uh, Jeff, that you asked I didn't really think about. So oh, that's a good question. Am I doing that or not? And then also, you know, also take a look at those things that you're doing well and say, can I build on that? Maybe maybe you you do a great job of attending every service or something. Uh, but maybe you could be more engaged. So, you know, there are a lot of these things sort of blend in. And and uh, so it's really just kind of honestly looking at yourself and how, you know, I can either improve, build, or continue in doing what I am doing well. Right. Yeah, key points. And again, it's it's certainly, and as we wrap up things at the end of the podcast, we'll, we'll kind of give some warnings and some disclaimers about things you need to be careful about. But But one of the things I'll just mention right off the bat, you know, as we get into this, you know, the intent of this aid is not to make you necessarily feel good about yourself or prideful about yourself or, hey, look at me, I'm a wonderful person. No, no, that's that's not the intent at all. Uh, as Brian alludes to, it's more, you know, what are the areas I can improve on? Because, you know, the Bible is, you know, it's, it's multi-chapters, multi-books. There's a lot of material there, you know, things in there about encouraging us to love God, love our neighbor, whatever. But how do we put that into kind of practical use? How do we, you know, look at various aspects of our lives on, on a day-to-day -day tactical basis um, and identify some, some specific things uh, that we can work on? Uh, and so, Brian, without further ado, you want to take us into the first section? Yeah. So, as you mentioned, we will, these are kind of broken out by section and areas, if you will, where we will take a look at different elements, ask questions. Hopefully some of these are thought provoking. So for instance, the first section or area is attendance. And there's a few elements in here about worship. So on our website, 
we do have a section on attendance under the letter A and then also worship under the letter W. So first question, do I look forward to attending worship service? So do I have, you know, is my attitude, uh, do I have to go versus, you know, I look forward to the next opportunity to worship God and edify my brethren? Uh, do I consider God when selecting what to wear to worship? So is my goal to look good or to be attractive to others? Does what I am wearing reflect someone professing godliness? So we see, for instance, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, it says, In like manner also, that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. And so that's just one of many passages we can, you know, I would encourage our listeners also to take a look at First Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, where it talks about the hidden person of the heart. And then uh, the worthy woman over in Proverbs chapter 31, certainly worth uh, your time to read, where you get an example of someone who does indeed profess godliness. We also recorded uh, in episode nine, a previous podcast, uh, we really devoted the entire thing to what does the Bible say about how we dress. So I just want to encourage you, if you really want to get into what the Bible says overall about dressing and modesty, uh, take a listen to that podcast. Next question we would uh, want to consider is, do I attend worship service more than once per week? So, you know, most churches, certainly within the Church of Christ, you're you're going to meet, you know, at least twice, probably on Sunday and on Wednesday, but often it's twice on Sunday and once on Wednesday. Well, that's what the elders of that church or the men of that church have decided to be times that we would come together and worship. And so, you know, is my mentality, you know, just coming on Sunday, if I just come on Sunday morning, this is all that God requires. Or do we say something like, well, we don't read of multiple worship services in the New Testament. So why do I need to attend every worship service? I think asking a question like that is sort of revealing in and of itself. Uh, Hebrews 10 verses 24 and 25 give us a sense of why it's important to come together. Verse 24 says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good work. So we want to edify one another. We want to encourage one another. And then it goes on in verse 25 said, uh, to say, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day, as in the day of judgment, approaching. So, you know, just one passage that talks about why we come together, why it's important. How about, do I attend Bible study class Sunday mornings? Do I attend Bible study class Wednesday night? So once again, a lot of churches will have prior to a worship, a Bible study. Um, is that something that I, that I attend? Do I arrive on time? You know, when you think about being on time to a worship, I would say that it really demonstrates respect to God and to the brethren. And I, we've all probably been in a situation where you're, you know, right in the middle of worship or maybe worship service has already started and, and people are coming in. They're late. It's very distracting. Uh, so we want to think about that. And, you know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 40, in the context of, uh, you know, a worship, it says, let all things be done decently and in order. No doubt the worship service itself should be done decently in order. But once again, I would have that. You know, if things are distracting, people are late, uh, it, it's not decent, <laughs> right, and in order in that respect. Uh, how about do I greet visitors? Do I help convey a positive image of the church that I'm a member of and show that I am happy 
they are there? Do I greet them? Do I get to know them? Uh, how about, do I consider how to avoid distracting others during worship? You know, if I have a crying child, really loud, yeah. do I take them out so it's not so distracting? How about children who are playing and talking? As a parent, do I address that or do I just allow them to do that? How about members conversing during service? Sometimes you have people talking and even though they're talking low, you can still hear them, right? It's distracting. Or sometimes you'll even see people using their cell phone you know, just those sorts of things, sleeping. So anyhow, these are just a few things to consider as far as worship goes. And then more importantly, when it comes to our attendance, are we an active participating member who is going to be there when the doors are open, so to speak? So Jeff, I'll turn it over to you for the next one. Yeah, I appreciate that. Well, and I like the fact that you addressed not only the, I'll say the necessity of attending, because it is a command, right? Uh, and being absent is, you know, certainly discouraged, but also the underlying attitude. It's like, yeah, I'm commanded. Okay, so I'll do just the bare minimum. Or do you mean I have to? And uh, again, if we're looking for areas of improvement, spiritual growth, not only looking at things we do, but our underlying attitudes and motivations certainly uh, are things we can look at. And, you know, attendance is just, you know, one of those, the first of many that we'll actually get into. And in some respects, it can kind of be a symptom of a larger problem, right? If we have a wrong attitude. So we definitely want to consider. Exactly. So the next area, and again, we've got several different categories here that are kind of related to uh, worship, uh, you know, as a group, as we say, typically, you know, sometimes Wednesdays, but, you know, for sure on Sundays. So the next little section here is related to announcements. Now, I know some congregations will have, you know, various announcements at the beginning, at the end. You know, they'll be talking about, you know, upcoming events or people who are traveling or sick, et cetera. Uh, and so there's a couple underlying principles here, even when it comes to uh, the announcements. For instance, uh, the attitudes that we should have one for another, you know, within the local congregation. Uh, one verse that comes to mind, Romans chapter 12, verse 10, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. And likewise in Philippians chapter two, verses three and four, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also the interests of others. So if you take those two verses and you start thinking in terms of like the announcements, uh, first question, you know, do I take note of those who are absent? Do I pray about those who are absent? Do I contact those who are absent? Now, absent may be in terms of work. Okay. That, that's kind of interfering. Of course, even that people would have to be careful of, uh, but they may be ill, sick, you know, shut in, stuck at home, you know, taking care of sick children, uh, for instance, you know, as even in the announcements, are there some growth areas uh, that we could have as we apply these general principles, like we saw in Romans chapter 12 and Philippians chapter two. You know, another area, Brian, with respect to our worship is singing uh, and, and the music within uh, the worship service. You know, a couple of verses there to keep in mind. Uh, Colossians chapter three, verse 15, which says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, 
to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom. Now, how? Well, here we go. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Uh, Brian, likewise, you want to read to us uh, Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verses 19 and 20? Uh, yes, here it says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So in both of these two verses, Brian, there, there's a lot of information kind of packed in here. But a couple of things that we can glean, you know, right off the top is, yes, singing is involved. Um, singing one to another, singing to the Lord, uh, teaching, admonishing, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. You know, this is something we as a congregation do one to another and to the Lord. Um, and I might as just kind of a real side note, you may notice, you know, there's no mention here of musical instruments. And sort of like the specialized skill that, you know, a very small number of people would have to be able to do that. No, we all can basically, you know, sing. Now, it may not be, you know, we're not professional singers, for instance, and, and you know, we may be a little bit off key, but it's something just about everybody can do. You know, it's not like having to learn, a, you know, a guitar or the drums or, or whatever. Uh, and it is also something that we are admonishing and encouraging one another, which, you know, instruments don't do. But the key point is, within our worship, there are certain verses. So how do I apply that in, like, this practical self-assessment sense? Well, here's a couple questions. Do I pay attention to the words that I'm singing? Versus just kind of going into autopilot mode, so to speak. Or, maybe even more challenging, how often am I emotionally moved by the singing one to another, you know, either move to joy or move to sorrow or, or move to regret, etc. You know, it's not just the mechanics. I mean, yes, we should sing, and yes, it needs to be scriptural songs, and yes, it's one to another. You know, we're not talking choirs and solos here. So, you know, getting all the mechanics right, um, it's also engaging our minds and our hearts or our emotions. Um, Brian, anything you want to add to that before we move on to the next section? Yeah, these are two really good questions. And I, I like, you know, the idea when we talk about being emotionally moved, you know, I can think of, a, of several occasions where maybe it was a Wednesday night service. I had a really rough day at work, but coming and singing songs, it's just amazing how rejuvenating that can be and uh, how encouraging it can be. And so no doubt there should be an element of emotion there. It really should touch our heart. And uh, as you pointed out also, you know, focusing on those words of the song, uh, the songs and, and, you know, let it lift us, if you will. Well, and the other thing I might mention before, you know, you go to the next session um, is that, you know, some of our worship admittedly is more passive, like sitting and listening to the sermon or the lesson or whatever. But here's one that's active. You know, we're each contributing playing a part. And so, you know, for additional information, maybe, you know, you, you might take exception with some of the things we've been talking about. It might be different where you worship. Okay. Um, go to our website and look under M for music uh, to get additional information about 
you know, singing, um, problems with choirs, problems with instrumental music, etc. for further study. You know, with that, toss it back to you, Brian. Yeah, let's take a look next at prayer, prayer and worship. And this is one where on our website, we also have a lot of information under the letter P for prayer, and including a, a study guide on prayer, which is really good. So if we were to think about, well, what are some self-assessment type questions related to prayer and worship? Well, one would be, do I pay attention to the words in the prayer? So when someone is up praying publicly, am I paying attention to what they're saying? Am I listening and agreeing with what is being prayed? Uh, do I say amen to the prayer? And when you think about this word, amen, in, in both Hebrew and Greek, it means so be it. It means truth. So in other words, it suggests agreement uh, with that prayer. And so you know, when we say amen at the end of a prayer, that's really what we're saying. So be it. I agree that this is truth and so forth. Um, do I allow my mind to wander during prayer? Something uh, that's very easy to do this these days because, you know, we are all so easily distracted. Uh, but are we really making a point to focus in on what's being said? How about how often am I emotionally moved by the prayer? Does the prayer invoke emotion and agreement? So maybe the person praying said something that you didn't really consider, or maybe they did, but they said it in such a way that it invokes emotion and agreement. On the flip side, do we have an improper attitude towards those praying? You know, do I think things like, well, what a long prayer, you know, when's this guy going to end? Or, you know, I don't like how they pray, you know, so sometimes we might get what we call nitpicky and everybody has a different style. Well, I don't really like how, well, that's, Obviously not the, the proper attitude. Ultimately, kind of like you said with singing, Jeff, not everybody sings in key. Are we there to be critical? Are we there to say, are, you know, what, what's the purpose here of worship and prayer? It's really for the Lord. And so we want to always fight any attitudes that would be like this, because no doubt uh, this would be the wrong attitude. When we think about the Lord's Supper, so, you know, on the first day of the week, according to Acts chapter 20 and verse 7, it tells us that they came together to break bread. That was really the purpose of them assembling. And so do we prepare our minds when the Lord's Supper is about to be served on the first day of the week by listening to the comments made and the passages recited? So normally before the Lord's Supper is served, you'll have a man that will, you know, make a few comments, read a few passages. So are we really trying to get into that mode, right? That mindset by listening to what they're saying. And do I stay focused on Christ's sacrifice during the Lord's Supper? Or do I let my mind wander? Uh, am I thinking about his sacrifice, his suffering, the significance of it, those sorts of things, even after I've taken it and I'm waiting for others to take it? Am I focused on those things? And then how often am I emotionally moved by the Lord's Supper? Does it cause me to be grateful? Does his sacrifice bring a sense of sorrow because he was crucified or joy because it was part of God's plan and Jesus was obedient to that plan? How about do I think of the significance of the sacrifice and does it stir my emotions? Well, hopefully it does. And hopefully you can look at these questions as, you know, once again, a way just to say when this is occurring, this is really the reason for our worship the main purpose of assembling on the first day of the week. So am I handling this properly for lack of a better term? Yeah, good, good points. And again, it kind of drives home the point that we can, you know, well, first of all, we can fall short on the actual practice, you know, um, and, you know, perhaps be a member of a congregation that 
you know, doesn't observe it based on biblical frequency or does not observe it based on biblical elements, etc. But if we get, you know, the mechanics right, still, still there's areas of personal growth in terms of what we're thinking about, what we're pondering about, uh, our emotions, etc. And Brian, I don't know if you mentioned or not, but uh, likewise at our website, and for each of these major categories, we've got a lot of material. In this particular case, under uh, L for the Lord's Supper. Uh, Brian, any other thoughts before we move to contribution? Uh, no, I think I'm good. Okay. So something else we see, and again, it's part of the worship service, uh, according to the New Testament pattern, is the quote-unquote contribution, or some people might call it free will offering, or the taking up a collection, etc. And we've got a couple verses uh, that point that out, uh, most notably 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1 and 2. Where Paul writes to the Corinthians, now concerning the collection for the saints, as I've given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay by, lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, so there be no collections when I come. Now, admittedly, in this particular case, this was a you know, special circumstance uh, for you know needy saints over in uh, Judea, you know, based on certain circumstances. I think there's also, in addition to that, you know, the general principle, you know, when there's a financial need of a congregation and, you know, congregations have financial needs, even for, you know, you know, simple basic things like, you know, a place to meet, supplies, you know, electricity, plumbing, all those kinds of things that we have here in a proved example of, you know, gathering of funds from the members to take care of those needs. Not only the going through the action but also there's an emotional component as well like we see with many of these second corinthians chapter 9 verses uh, 6 through 8 kind of addresses that or paul again <laughs> writing to the corinthians of course under the guidance of the holy spirit but this i say he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. So we see here, at least within these two verses, you know, setting up, it's like with forethought, you know, setting a something aside as we have been prospered, you know, proportionally, uh, not sparingly. And again, there's this emotional content, you know, being uh, cheerful and uh, looking forward to the opportunity of contributing to the work of local congregations. So some questions, very practical questions that we can derive from that for our self-assessment. Here's a few. Do I consider my physical blessings before services? You know, do I think ahead about what has gone on over the past week and with intent decide how much I've been prospered, how much I've been blessed, and then decide to contribute accordingly? Uh, with most congregations, there may be some words that uh, are said you know, before the taking up of the collection. Do I pay attention to the words? How often am I emotionally involved or moved during the giving process and kind of real practical does my giving impact what i can spend in other areas 
thinking, am I putting God first or am I just fishing around in my wallet and, you know, grabbing something and throwing it in the, in the collection plate uh, of whatever has been sort of left over after I've already spent on things that I want. Anyway, you know, a number of different areas to consider even within the act of giving. Again, not just going through the motions, or I'll say that a little bit differently, you know, doing what the scriptures say should be done mechanically uh, and doing, you know, complying with that, but also involving uh, the emotions both during and even before uh, we come. Uh, Brian, any thoughts before we go to the next section? Uh, yeah, just a few thoughts. So one is, as you touched on in 2 Corinthians 9, where it talks about giving as we purpose in our heart. And you did mention, you know, thinking about this in advance. And that's so critical because sometimes what can happen is, you know, we didn't do that. And so we're sort of scrambling to grab a few dollars out of our wallet or, you know, pocket change and putting it in the collection plate. Now, this says that really you're planning it in advance. You're giving some forethought. And then also when we talk about this idea of prospering in general, you know, if we have a job, you know, oftentimes we're giving a portion of the wages that we earn to the Lord. But I just would encourage our listeners to also think about other ways that we might prosper. You know, if you've received a tax return, if you sold a car, you know, there are many different ways. You received a bonus, let's say, from work. There are many different ways in which we prosper. So then I would say we should also consider, well, shouldn't I be given a portion of that to God? Uh, certain, certainly worth considering. And then one final thought, and that is, you know, occasionally a church may have a special offering. So Jeff, I'm thinking about you know, a few occasions where we've had brethren in other countries that have suffered like, a, you know, a devastating loss due to a hurricane, or maybe there's been a tremendous drought and they're really just, they need food. Sometimes there'll be a special collection. So we might ask ourselves, you know, am I setting aside money for these occasions so that when this need arises, I can, uh, you know, rise to the challenge, if you will, and offer a little bit more than I normally would so that I can support these uh, special offerings. Yep, lots of good thoughts. And as always, at our website, in the topic section, uh, we've got an area under G for uh, giving, if you'd like to probe this subject deeper. Brian, what's next? Next is preaching. So let's talk a little bit about that. So when we, we often refer to the five acts of worship, and preaching is one of those. You know, we just talked about giving. We've talked about the Lord's Supper. We've talked about prayer, singing, those sorts of things. So Worship, uh, as it relates to preaching, do I pay attention to what is being said during the sermon? Am I, stayed am I focused on the message? Am I seeking to understand the point? Or am I letting my mind wander? Uh, certainly, you know, during a sermon, it can be easy to do that because they can be more lengthy. But are we really engaged? Are we looking at the person speaking, trying to focus on it? Um, do I have any improper attitudes? You know, so am I thinking things like, well, you know, he's preaching this message to me. He's only preaching this sermon because he's trying to send a message to me or, you know, I don't like what he's saying or how he's saying it, even if he's simply conveying what the Bible teaches. Or, you know, I don't like his presentation style or the PowerPoint format or the way he speaks. Or, you know, this sermon is too long. It's so easy to have an improper attitude uh, if we're not careful. Uh, how about do I take mental or physical notes? So in other words, do I seek to understand what is being taught? Am I mentally or physically making notes of what is being taught to review and remind later to consider how it might apply to me and so forth? Uh, is there someone that could benefit from the sermon that I share it with? So whether I talk to them about the sermon or 
you know, and if it's recorded, do I refer them to that recording? Uh, as you touched on earlier, Jess, 2 Timothy 2.15, right? All of us want to study to show ourselves approved as workmen that need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. Well, that takes physical study. And oftentimes, you know, a good sermon can kind of be a springboard to help that study. How about, do I try to make personal application of the sermon? Is it convicting me of my sin? Is there something that's being brought up that I say, ooh, that hits me right between the eyes, so to speak. That definitely applies to me. And we're not thinking, well, he's just preaching that for my benefit. No, we look at it more as, does this apply? And should I do something about it, right? Do I need to repent? Uh, maybe it's just personally repenting, not necessarily a public repentance, but is there something that was mentioned that has opened my eyes that I need to, re be, to, to repent of? Or have I even been baptized? Is this convicting me of my sin and causing me to realize that I still need to be baptized for the remission of my sins? And then can I apply the principles in my life? That really should be, I think, one of the main takeaways from any sermon is application. How does it apply to me? And we have passages like 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, where it talks about, you know, all scriptures inspired of God and is profitable for reproof, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped or fully equipped for every good work. So real general passage, but it's what we're talking about here, right? Applying what you're hearing. And then the final set of questions here would be, you know, how often am I feeling encouraged by the sermon to do what's right? Uh, do I give it a hearty amen? In other words, do I agree with it? Uh, am I motivated to change something in my life as we were just talking about as a result of what I heard? And then have I been stirred up by way of reminder? You know, Peter, before he died in Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 1, said it was his goal, and he's talking to Christians here, to stir them up by way of reminder. And so even though you know, there are sermons. In fact, I'd say, as you know, if you've been a Christian for years, there's a good chance that the sermon that's being preached, you've heard. However, we all forget. We all need to be reminded. And, you know, the sermon that we may have heard three years ago may not have had application in our life like it does today because of what's going on in our life now. And so it's so helpful to hear those reminders. So, Jeff, um, I'll turn it over to you for any thoughts. Yeah, a couple of thoughts I had while you were talking. You know, we're we're making the assumption that the sermon is, uh, I think I want to use the word meaty or challenging, you know, scripture-based, et cetera. Uh, and, and, you know, some people in our audience may not be experiencing that. And we're, so where my mind went was, you know, quote-unquote sermons or lessons that are just, you know, short or fluffy or entertaining or, yeah or entertaining <laughs> that's kind of where my mind went you know entertaining or we tell jokes or you know the, the person's talking about their own you know personal feelings whatever uh, and there's very little substance there or it's all positive and leaving the audience with this feel good kind of aura when they leave when you know there's no challenging there's no reproving there's no rebuking there's no you know scriptures that say you know thou shalt and thou shalt not and you know that that's sort of negative i mean if you know people that are you know listening to the podcast you know if if your you know sermons are more you know fluff if you will or are mainly intended just to make you feel good about yourself you're, you're missing something i mean you're you're, I mean, certainly there is a place for encouragement. I'm, I'm not saying there's not. But if it's just all, you know, fluff and sunshine and, 
you know, unicorns or whatever, um, something is missing. You know, there, there's not only milk of the word, but there's also meat of the word and challenging subjects and subjects where we can, should make personal application. And if we feel bad because of the sermon, if we feel like our toes have been stepped on during the sermon, uh, if we have this kind of a negative reaction to what was said, and boy, he was kind of you know blunt and to the point, and um, I'm not feeling very good about myself, and how dare he you know confront me? Whatever, it's like, whoa, hold on a second. Need to, again, does this shoe fit? <laughs> no, that's a good point. You know, does this shoe fit? You know, we need to again, you know, look in the mirrors, examine our beliefs, examine our attitudes, you know, about these kinds of things, and you know preaching and i know you said earlier you know not get wrapped up in the preaching style but if you're just being fed cotton candy <laughs> you know yeah. that is not a healthy diet so to yeah speak. I, I knew a preacher once that would say that about sermons he says you know unfortunately there are too many sermons today that are kool-aid and cotton candy they taste good but they have very little nutritional value <laughs> i thought that was exactly good point um and so that's you know from a preaching perspective now as brian as you you know mentioned you know five acts and you know worship concludes okay but yet we're still together and so this next category um is called after worship and of course there are some scriptures that would apply there as well for instance you know you mentioned hebrews 10 24 let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works and that can apply not only the, during the assembly itself, but also before and afterwards. How about a general principle, John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Again, um, a quotation from Jesus. So how do we take those general principles and apply them to what we do either before services or in this case, after services? Well, you know, here's some questions. Again, self-examination. Do I stay after services to get to know people better? Or as some people joke, as soon as the amen is said, I'm heading out the door because <laughs> I got, you know, I got lunch or I got golf or whatever. Do I say something encouraging? to other Christians? Do I socialize with fellow Christians, not only there within the assembly after services, but during the week? Do I help fellow Christians when the need arises? Do I discuss spiritual matters with fellow Christians outside of worship services? Uh, and more kind of appointed, do I humbly approach other Christians if they're doing something questionable or inappropriate to talk with them? Uh, do I volunteer when something needs to be done around the building? You know, you know, these and other kinds of questions, you know, we could ask ourselves, you know, outside the narrow focus of the, you know, worship service itself, you know, before, after, during the week. Brian, any, uh, any other thoughts on that category? Yeah, I really like the questions and, you know, it, and I appreciate your emphasis on, you know, encouraging other Christians, you know, sometimes, especially if you have a larger congregation, and I guess really this applies to a congregation of any size, you know, sometimes there are people that may not be as quote unquote popular or, you know, people who are a little bit introverted. So they're not necessarily outgoing and starting conversations with others. Are we 
aware enough to know that and maybe, you know, start the conversation with them, speak to them. And so many principles in, in the Bible, in fact, Jesus made an emphasis to say, you know, it's easy to talk to your friends and those who you like, but how about those that you don't or those that, you know, the world typically ignores. So, you know, certainly something for us to consider. Well, and, and you raised a, a thought there that, you know, triggered a recollection in my mind. You know, I have been in a worship service in a pretty, what I would consider, you know, large congregation, you know, hundreds of people. I, I think the biggest one I've ever been in, maybe like 800, 900, you know, maybe a thousand people. And it is just so easy to get lost in the crowd, you know, slip in just as services start, you know, slip out right after services end, you know, just, to, you know, there's no accountability, there's no you know, getting to know people, no encouraging one another, provoking one another to love and good works. Uh, that's why I, you know, I personally enjoy the congregations that are, you know, more on the smaller side, you know, a hundred or 50 or whatever, where you can actually get to know one another uh, in more depth and know their weaknesses and learn their strengths and, you know, help them with weaknesses and leverage their strengths, etc. All part of you know, the assembling together, but also all part of, you know, belonging to a local congregation and working together as a group to, you know, help one another. Yeah, good points. So, Jeff, that wraps up part one of our two-part series here on the self-assessment. And next time, we're going to take a look at things like personal Bible study. You know, am I prepared for the personal Bible studies that I have? Do I study on my own? We'll take a look at personal prayer, uh, daily living, uh, marital relationships, family relationships. So, Jeff, we have several more different categories that we'll take a look at in the next episode. Yeah, and again, would encourage folks to not only uh, anticipate and and listen to our next podcast, but also, as we've mentioned several times in this podcast, you know, go back to our website, just a whole wealth of material about attendance and worship, uh, acts of worship, uh, not only the, as we said, the mechanics, but also the mental engagement, as well as the emotional engagement. So again, certainly appreciate uh, folks taking advantage of those resources. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Bible Questions podcast. We invite you to visit our website, biblequestions.org, where you can submit a Bible question to be answered. And you can also search archives where we have answered several hundred Bible questions over the years. Our website also has a host of free Bible study material, free correspondence courses, as well as sermons and a host of other material. Please stop by and check it out.